welcome back to Politics and Poetry, the podcast about the intersection of poetic words and political action. In Episode 6, Part 2, we interview Chelsea Rathburn, the current Poet Laureate of Georgia. We'll discuss what it's like being a Poet Laureate, and she shares some surprising things she didn't know about the role and how it's changing. She also gives us a hint at her new project, Georgia Poetry in the Parks, and even about her next book of poetry. We'll start by asking Chelsea Rathburn what are some of her favorite things about her experience as the Poet Laureate. I'm sort of looking back over these questions. Uh, I, I mentioned sort of at the start of the conversation that some of my my favorite parts of being Poet Laureate have been, you know, actually getting to to see elected officials in action, you know, governing uh, versus campaigning. That's been, that's been really impressive. Um, But you you had asked uh, like, what, what are some things that aren't known about uh, the role Mm -hmm. of the poet laureate and, uh, and also how it, how are the roles of laureates changing? So I thought I, I might speak to that for a minute, uh, particularly one, one thing that people are always surprised um, to learn here, here in Georgia and also, and I think a lot of other places, uh, the poet laureate is a purely honorary position. <laughs> so what that means is there, there is no, there is no money attached. Uh, there is not, uh, at least here in Georgia, it's actually written into, to uh, the, the creation of, of uh, the poet laureate position, it says, you know, the poet laureate shall receive no remuneration. Uh, people are surprised by that sometimes. I, I had a, oh, somebody somebody reached out to me last year and said that their uh, community was was looking to create a laureateship in, in their town. And uh, would I mind mm-hmm. telling them what the stipend was? <laughs> I just got laughed. <laughs> There is no stipend. (laughs) It really is. is, uh, You know, it's a position. It is. It is absolutely an honor to serve uh, as a state laureate. A huge honor. Um, I love you know going and speaking. And and I'm able to do this less in person, obviously with with uh, COVID. But you know, in normal times, I'm able to go and speak to libraries and community groups and, uh, you know, re- re- go into high schools and, and meet with, you know, the creative writing clubs and the magazines and things. And, it, and that is just absolutely fabulous. But when I do those sorts of things, you know, it, it sometimes means that I'm actually taking time off of work. And, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not being, I don't get a paycheck for doing that. And so uh, I think one of the things that is, is changing, you know, is largely uh, the Academy of American Poets, uh, thanks to the support of the Mellon Foundation. You know, uh, in 2019, they launched this program, uh, a fellowship program for Poets Laureate, and not just at the state level, you know, but at uh, county townships, you know, at that level. Uh, but there's an application process where if a poet laureate has a particular civic project in mind, they can apply for these these funds, and uh, they're funded. They're funding partially the the civic projects, uh, but also uh, there's a stipend that is 
intended to further the the poet's personal work, creative work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I've been just really amazed uh, by by the kinds of projects that are coming about, you know, thanks to the support of the Mellon Foundation and the Academy of American Poets. And I'm, I'm, you know, unbelievably lucky in that, you know, I applied this past year with a project and I got funded, uh, which has just been amazing. Uh, That that's still very much uh, we're, we're still in the planning and development stages there. And I can talk about my project in a minute, Um, but it's just been really, I think, just amazing seeing, you know, these um, thanks to this, this funding mechanism, you know, different states, counties, townships, uh, people are able, you know, all, all across America, uh, able to implement things, you know, educational opportunities, uh, workshops, literary festivals, you know, things that uh, wouldn't exist without, without this support. So I think that's really, really amazing. And, and, you know, you imagine, you know, these individual poets laureate have, have these projects, they can implement them. And then, you know, some of, some of them I think are are sort of one-off projects, but others, you know, they're, they're setting a framework in place. that's going to continue beyond the year, the year of the funding. It's just, it amazes me. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful. so excited to hear about that project. Um, to me, that's another just great example of, um, you know, the importance of good governance and the connection between our legislators and what we value. So I found it really interesting when we were researching the history of the Poet Laureate that, you know, the, it, very early on nationally and in the state of Georgia, you know, legislators and the culture deemed that poets were really instrumental leaders in our society and voices we wanted to hear about. So the designation, but then the dissonance and the disconnect around the funding of that, literally the funding of the role and then the funding of arts in school over time, diminishing, diminishing. And so on the one hand, we're saying it's very valuable. We really appreciate it. And then over here, but we're not really going to invest in it. And so as from a political perspective, I think that's another place where we have a lot of opportunity to tap into um, great minds, spirits, creativity to help us accomplish the things we want to accomplish, you know? So if we want more well-rounded, educated, healthier individuals, one way of doing that is through arts and exposure to arts, involvement in the arts, participation. So it just, kind of following on what you were saying that I think, again, it's just another place where as a culture, you know, there's an initial hint, an idea, yes, this is important to us, but how do we continue to strengthen that? So, and that may be a lead to talk about your project too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I just think thinking about engagement in the arts, I, I think that poetry, getting young people interested in poetry Writing poetry, it, I certainly don't think everybody needs to be 
trying to publish, you know, writing poems and trying to publish them. But I think that there's something I, I believe, you know, really empowering uh, to be a young person and be composing poems or spoken word pieces, performing them. You know, I, I just really believe that that, that is just, it's an empowering act for, for young people in particular, you know, being introduced to poetry, given the tools to compose poems uh, or spoken word pieces, you know, to deliver them, to perform them. I mean, I just think it's, it's a really important step for developing just a strong, healthy sense of self sense of, of personal empowerment. And I, I mean, I, I think I, I don't think every poet is necessarily a political activist, uh, Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that there's maybe a connection between, you know, giving young people the tools, whether it's through poetry or debate. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a wonderful program through the National Endowment for the Arts uh, called Poetry Out Loud, where s- students mm-hmm. aren't composing their own poems, but they're reciting poems. You know, I think all of these things, these these tools, giving, giving young people the tools uh, to be comfortable with language and to be comfortable mm-hmm. with performance, you know, I, I think that that is a way. Uh, I would like to think it it leads directly to more, you know, more comfort with political engagement or civic engagement, uh, with with becoming leaders. Yes. You know, what absolutely. However, that looks, you know, whether that's uh, means you know pursuing politics or or just thinking about you know business, uh, other things. Uh, but my my project, poetry in the parks. Um, essentially came about because we were thinking about COVID and everyone having been on on a lockdown. um, And I wanted to partner with the Georgia Center for the Books, Georgia Center for the Book, rather. And uh, we were were sort of talking about, you know, what are ways of extending library services uh, beyond the walls of the library? And uh, a number of, of Georgia libraries uh, during the pandemic, had done a, a story walk project, uh, which essentially took pages of children's books and sort of took them outdoors, and families could come along. And so we, so essentially, what, how how might we do this in a way that would celebrate poetry and celebrate um, Georgia's poets? And so the idea behind the project is that we'll be creating uh, kind of interactive poetry trails featuring poems by Georgia poets, um, interactive in the sense that, uh, you know, pe- people will be outdoors encountering these poems, but then they can also via QR code, uh, they can access, you know, uh, poets' bios, uh, creative prompts, uh, cool. maybe rec- recordings, if, when, when available, you know, recordings of, of the poems or videos of the, the poets reading. And uh, we're That's also so going cool. to have some community workshops. So cool. I think so. I'm really, really excited. But it's, it's been really interesting, you know, in the planning, we're still selecting, selecting poems, uh, really thinking about, you know, what, what, what makes a Georgia poet? You know, what makes, uh, what constitutes a Georgia poet? Uh, does a Georgia poet, uh, is a Georgia poet someone who was born in Georgia? Is it someone, you know, it, 
does one need to have lived in a, in a place for a certain number of years? Uh, okay. that, that's just been kind of interesting to think about um, because I'm not, I was born in Florida. I've, I've lived in Georgia longer than I've uh, lived anywhere else at this point. But, you know, what, what about people who were raised in Georgia and moved away? So the answer for us has been, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. We've, so, well, is the, the, is this, you know, is this category considered? What about so-and-so? So we, we, we are going to be featuring, uh, some poets who are transplants to, uh, to the state. I'm thinking like Jericho Brown, um, who teaches it at Emory, uh, who's, you know, just an incredible, incredible poet, but he, he came from elsewhere. I'm also looking up poets, uh, like Adrian Sue, who, uh, was raised in, uh, in Georgia and now lives in Pennsylvania, uh, basically just a, a broad mix as well as people who have been, you know, born and raised here. Uh, David Bottoms, for example, who was a, a, a previous, previous poet laureate who was born, uh, I believe in Canton, Georgia, and uh, has, has lived in the state for just about his whole life. Our society, uh, you know, globally is so mobile that uh, I think part of that answer has to be an emphasis on where you are now. And uh, <laughs> if you're in Georgia now, Hey, you are one. <laughs> And uh, you might not have been born here. You might not have had many years here. Uh, you might not be here many years. But if that's where you are now, hey, tag, you're it. You're on. Uh, and we love you. And uh, uh, we hope that, uh, you know, your time in Georgia, whatever that may be, uh, will serve you well wherever you may go. And uh, we all have roots. Uh, and we don't all have the, the opportunity to stay in one place. Uh, many of us are forced out. Many of us leave by choice. So it's where you are now is the way I would see that answer to the question. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm also, you know, planning on including some people who, you know, spent really formative years here and then moved away, but they're still, you know, absolutely writing poems that are informed by, by the landscapes of Georgia, by early memories, you know, and so I, Definitely including, I'm including some people who have, who have come and gone. You have shared several times around, you know, that the literal connection between poets and politicians and, and politics, um, one interesting fact that we learned was that um, Elizabeth Warren actually has a poet on her campaign staff, not necessarily writing poems for her, but thinking about the power of language. Um, and I just, again, that affirm, I, it's reaffirmed for me after talking to you today that we, I would love to see more of that <laughs> in our, our public discourse, within our political leaders, um, just this emphasis on the power and the importance of, of words and how they can really bring us together, how, divide us, um, help us cover areas that are extremely difficult that without, I think the sensitivity, uh, the awareness, uh, acute awareness of the words and the power that they have. Sometimes um, we miss out on these opportunities to connect with people where they are and to bring them along or to understand their version of transformation or their version of change. So we, we are supporters of um, if people wanted to be more involved in Georgia in poetry and in your project, is there a particular way that 
they could do that. They just, um, maybe that'll be forthcoming. Maybe we can talk about how, how to help that along. <laughs> yeah, I would just say stay tuned. <laughs> We're planning on, on launching everything in April in okay. time for National Poetry Month. And um, so I think as we get closer, there will be announcements on the Georgia Center for the Book site and uh, probably the Georgia Council for the Arts on my website as well. Uh, but we're, we are still in the selecting, putting, putting things together uh, stage. Well, it's exciting. And we look forward to, you know, Georgia being put on the map again in that particular way. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited too. Um, I am also one of my, one of my jobs as Georgia laureate is I judge a high school contest and uh, that is just starting for 2022 and it is open. It's called the Georgia, it's the Georgia poet laureates prize. And it was founded by Judson Mitchum and it is open to any high school student in the state of Georgia, whether public school, private school, homeschooled, absolutely anything. And uh, there, there is an entry form on the Georgia Council for the Arts site. So that's ninth grade through 12th grade. And I think the only restrictions, the, the poems need to be unpublished. And I, I think they may, there may be a line limit of 30 lines or so. Uh, but that, those entries, that, that submission period is open between now and uh, late February of 2022. Um, that's always just a real it, it's it's a joy. It's a little bit of a stressful joy because um, I I read I personally read all of the submissions and uh, so there are usually a, a few hundred poems wow. that come in. Like, yeah, and so it's it's a joy. It's stressful because it's difficult to make decisions. Uh, often I I am able to winnow the pile down to, uh, gosh, you know, I, I I usually start getting stressed out around. I, when I have about 25, uh, we always pick four, there are four finalists and one winner. And so get, getting from the top 25 poems down to five, I agonize over it. There's so many interesting, interesting poems that come in. Um, but it, it is a joy because it is just, I think, an amazing experience. Uh, we've been, you know, talking about how poetry you know, gives us insight into, uh, into others' experiences, uh, other people's concerns, others, uh, you know, frames of reference and having this opportunity to, to, to hear all of these individual voices, you know, all of these high school students across the state. Uh, I just, it just amazes me every year, you know, looking at the, the variety of the poems, the, the wide range of subject matter, uh, and, the, and the fact that all of these students are, you know, again, feel empowered to to share uh, from time to time, you know, there'll be a, a submission where it, it seems clear that uh, the, the poem was written under duress, you know, some sort of requirement in an English class. And then, but, you know, but that's usually those are few and far between. Typically, it, it, it really is, you know, this uh, just amazing insight into like, oh, what are, what are, you know, what are high school students concerned with right now? And yeah, uh, yeah it's amazing. A lot of it, of course, is the same, same kinds of things that I was concerned with, you know, when I was in, in high school, I was family, you know, 
identity, um, crushes, breakups. Uh, but also, you know, I have a lot of poems about uh, experiences. Uh, poem, there are poems about race. There are poems about gender. There are poems mm -hmm. about uh, people's experiences uh, growing up in uh, families of immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, there are poems, concerns about school shootings and lockdowns. Uh, last year, we had, yeah, of course, a, a number of poems that were about pandemic, uh, pandemic learning and, uh, you know, frustration of, of, about sure. the things that, that this generation of high school students is, is losing, you know, by mm -hmm. being uh, in isolation. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're really beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. I'm getting one of the one of the many privileges that I have as uh, as a as poet laureate here in Georgia is getting to to uh, look at those every year. Well, we are fans of uh, expanding opportunities for reading poetry, as you said, writing poetry, sort of this um, in the background now strange backlash to increased conversation around different voices, inclusiveness you know, the book bands that maybe have not come to Georgia yet, and we hope don't, but, um, you know, poetry and contests like this or opportunities, training, workshops, having it in the curriculum, we think just, we agree, critical and important for, um, a, for having broader conversations, for having greater acceptance of all the nuances that are the human experience and giving our young people an opportunity to, as you shared, um, know that they're not alone in all of these um, spaces of discrimination, experiences of uh, trauma, experiences of isolation, of loss, of um, uh, so applaud all efforts in that space. Yeah. And experiences of joy too. There are. Absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we have this reputation as being, you know, more good and more <laughs> Well, uh, absolutely. Yeah. There's yeah. also, you know, there these, you know, we're fun. Yeah. About triumphs. And yes. Uh, yeah. I have, I, I had a, one of my students this semester wrote a poem about, her, she didn't even, she actually didn't even turn it in at the end of the semester as one of her, her official poems for the class, but it was just a creative exercise. But yeah, I had a, a student write, uh, it was in response, just an exercise in my introductory creative writing class. Um, she wrote a poem uh, praising her, her mother. And it was just essentially an ode to her mother. Her mother uh, is a Nigerian immigrant. And it was thinking about the things that made her Nigerian mother, you know, particularly different from the mothers of her classmates. And, uh, and that was a poem that, you know, it was just, it was exuberant and filled with mm -hmm. love and joy. And uh, so I, I like having the reminder sometimes that, you know, I, I, I tend to be drawn toward uh, in my own poetry toward, toward the darker subjects, but it, it's always good to read poems of joy as well. Well, the, the smile on your face, uh, despite the darker subjects uh, comes through in uh, much of your poetry, Chelsea. 
It has a triumphant, joyful end, which is also a beginning, as you well know, a new beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes uh, my my own family has a very dark sense of humor, and so you know the the story. I you know, I read the poem postpartum uh, fairy tale earlier. Uh, you know by my female relatives, like they, they used to actually joke about, you know, oh gosh, I had postpartum, you know, after you were born, and I, I just wanted the the cat to jump on you. I didn't want to kill you myself, but I wanted the cat to jump on you and and you know smother you. And oh, isn't that hilarious? Uh, but that really was sort of, <laughs> you know, this atmosphere. My family just really is. Uh, they have they have a dark dark sense of humor. <laughs> Uh, so it's not. It's not. Maybe my my personal stories aren't aren't quite as dark as they seem in the books. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, we feel very honored for your time and to get to know you and to hear your views about poetry. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. We look forward to reading more of your work and sharing it and uh, learning more about your project. Just look forward to the next book. Any hints? It's about loosely about home, the concept of home. Uh, and so I, that's probably all I should say. As I said, <laughs> it's still in a, in a very amorphous stage, uh, but I, I'm sort of exploring, you know, the, the, what exactly are the foundations that shape us both in terms of, you know, physical spaces and also, kind of emotional frameworks. And I'm very much wandering, wandering in the dark at this point, still, you know, just writing individual poems and, and kind of waiting, waiting for the, the larger shape to emerge. Well, we can relate to that as our three generations of uh, activists, politicians, campaigners, writers, students, and this idea of, of home and family and how do we how do we support each other? How do we inspire each other? How do we have fun together? How do we um, build sustaining relationships at early, in the early days and then as we as we age? So, well, it's been really a joy. <laughs> <laughs>